that song. Uh, the chorus of, those, of that song says, Up from the grave he rose, with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose, a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. Praise be to God for that. Friends, let me ask you this morning, do you like new beginnings? How many of you this morning would love, would love to have the ability to start something all over again? Some of you are nodding your heads. Perhaps a career path, perhaps a job choice, perhaps certain decisions in your life that you've made that now you regret. You wish you would have gone differently about him. Perhaps a friendship. Perhaps a relationship. My friends, there's something in us that God has implanted in us that loves new beginnings. And this morning, I would like for us to look at the new birth and the resurrection of Jesus as a token of the new beginning that God has promised to, cre to create for all creation. God has made it known that a day will come when He will create a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. No more terrorism. No more injustice. No more evil. No more pain. No more sorrow. Not even tears. Until that day, God has made it known to us and has proclaimed to us and has given us proof that He is serious about that new day. But until that day, He has given us signs, and not only signs, but instruments of that new beginning that He's about to create. And this morning, I would like for us to look at the theme of the new birth and the resurrection of Jesus. If you did not bring a Bible with you, you may find the passage that we're going to read in the Pew Bible, in the Black Bible, provided uh, in the chair in front of you, on page number 1011. And this morning, we will read from two passages of Scripture, from James 1, verse 18, and also from 1 Peter chapter 1, from verse 3 to 25. So two passages, they're two pages next to each other. The first one is the book of James, chapter 1, verse 18. As you're finding your passage in Scripture, I want to remind you that we're currently going through a sermon series in the book of James. And uh, today we are taking a, a, a longer pause just on one verse of James, verse 18, and looking at another passage as well and uh, learn about the new birth and how it relates to the resurrection. But here's the word of the Lord for us, page 111, James 1.18. Of His own will, He, namely God, brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Well, friends, that verse alone is worth an entire sermon. And that's what we're going to do today. But to understand more about it, we're going to go also to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 25. 
a greater explanation of what James himself is saying is in 1 Peter 1, uh, 3, 1, 3 to 25. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you now have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living an abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. 
And this word is a good news that was preached to you. Amen. Well, this is the word of the Lord for us. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we praise your name. We thank you that through your revelation of yourself to us, you enable new life to be brought into our beings, into our hearts. Father, we pray that this truth will bring new life among us even today. Speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, convict us, draw us close to you, we pray, through the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, I mentioned that we are continuing our study through the book of James, um, chapter 1, verse 18. As we continue through uh, this study, we have just learned last week that God is a giver of the greatest gifts. Actually, every good gift comes from God. And in verse 18, James tells us what is, what is a, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Now, you can think in your life, what is one of the greatest gifts God can, has given you? And you can think of ideas, you can think of a list of things God has given you. James says that God has given us a new beginning. And that new beginning, James describes as a bringing forth. And that image, that language, is a language of birth. God has given us a new nature that He has implanted in us. Friends, on a Sunday like this, I, I expect and assume that some might be here this morning who are not Christians. If you're not a Christian, or if you think you are because occasionally you observe some Christian activities and you might come to church occasionally, I want, to be, I want you to, assure, to understand, I want to make sure that you understand how Scripture defines what a Christian is, what it means to be a Christian. A true Christian is someone who has experienced this new birth, this new beginning. Someone who has been regenerated. And we considered a few weeks ago the theme of regeneration right before we started the sermon series in the book of James. But since James is talking in this verse 18 about this, this new beginning, this new bringing forth, this new birth, I invite you today to consider once again, more carefully, this great experience of the new birth, which is at the heart of what it makes someone to be a Christian. Today, I'd like for us to look at this, this theme of the new birth, specifically how it relates to the resurrection of Jesus. So we'll look not only at James 1, but also at 1 Peter 3. And we'll look this morning at three ideas, or three points, if you like taking notes. We'll look at the cause of the new birth. We will look at the means of the new birth. And finally, we will look at the goals of the new birth. Here's the, the cause of this new birth. If Christianity, or what it means to be a Christian, is defined by this, this experience of, of newness, this new beginning that starts within, who causes it? How, do, how does this come about? Who causes this new birth? Well, look at how James and Peter... Uh, answer this, uh, this question. But James 1 says, of his own will, he brought us forth. Did you hear that? Of his own will. He didn't consult with our will. He didn't consult with us, and he didn't ask for our help. 
God causes this new birth in us of his own will. If you turn to 1 Peter 3, I mean 1, 3, uh, we see a similar point. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Friends, just as a new baby takes no credit for his birth, the spiritual birth has its origins and causation in God. God causes this new birth in us. Oh, friends, how easy it is for some to simply bestow upon themselves the, the label Christian these days without understanding the need for God to act upon them and to cause in them this new birth, the birth of a new nature, the birth of a new disposition that is inclined and desires holiness and love of God. The fact that God causes this new birth in us does not mean that we should remain careless or passive or be irresponsible regarding this new birth. No, not at all. Rather, it means that we are called to seek this salvation from God alone. If we are going to be Christians, it means that God must do something in our hearts that we cannot do, and we turn everything in our search to Him to give us that which we cannot get on our own. Friend, if you're not a Christian, these verses mean that becoming a Christian involves a new birth. Our new birth is caused not by human effort, not by religious practice, not by human will. It is caused by God. And notice on what grounds God causes this new birth in us. In James, we read that, that it is His will. In Peter, we read that it is according to His great mercy, not to our goodness, not to our performance, not how good we are in the sight of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the, actually the opposite. In, in the sight of God, none of us are good enough for His standards. It was totally out of His mercies that God has caused in us a new birth. Now for Peter, when he, he thinks about God's great mercies, What Peter thinks of and what Peter, how Peter sees as displayed is that God's great mercies are displayed in us, not simply by giving us a pass towards our sin. You know, people today, when they think about God's mercies, oh, I, I hope God is merciful to me. I hope that in His mercies, He won't look upon my sin. He'll let my sin slide away. Or He'll give me a pass today. People hope that on the day of judgment, God will be merciful to them and will not judge them according to their deeds. Well, friends, here Peter tells us something different. Peter says that God showed us His mercies in giving us that which we needed desperately, that which we could not make of our own. He gave us a new birth. Oh, dear Christian, in your own prayers... Do you make the connection between the mercies of God and the new birth? If He has given it to you, do you praise Him for His mercies towards you, specifically in giving you the new birth? One of the signs that we 
that the truth of, of God's mercies manifested through the new birth, that this truth has truly taken roots in our heart, and it's not just in our minds. One of the signs of that true inward roots is that we become immensely grateful. There is a gratitude that we can't explain. We become immensely grateful to God for what He has done for us. That's why one of the signs of Christians is that they're grateful people. They're, they're people who are full of gratitude for what God has done. God has shown us His great mercy in that He took people dead in their sins and gave them new births. You know, the second, this is a cause of the new birth, God, because of His great mercy and because of His own will. But let's look at the means. How does this, it, God causes it, but how does it get to us? God is a cause. God is the origins. But how, how does it happen and how does it get to us? Well, let's look at the means of, of, of this new birth. And we see in these two passages two means of, of the new birth. The first one is through the resurrection of Jesus. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. What this means is that the resurrection of Jesus is the means by which God gives us a new birth. This is why today I thought it's appropriate for us to consider how is it that the resurrection of Jesus connects to the new birth? We see elsewhere in the Bible the resurrection of Jesus is the grounds on which sinners are declared right before God. Paul says that in Romans 4, uh, 25. He was delivered up for our trespasses and He was raised for our justification. Jesus died for our sins. And He was raised so that we could be declared right with God. That's justification. But Peter, in our passage, he connects the resurrection of Jesus with another experience of salvation, namely regeneration, the new birth. How is it that these two images are connected? Well, if we look at the book of Acts, a passage that was read earlier in our service, when Paul was preaching in a place called uh, Antioch of Pisidia, he describes the resurrection of Jesus in this way. He says, And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this He has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Interesting psalm in the Old Testament. David writes a psalm, but he speaks of God speaking to his son. And he says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Interestingly, that Paul connects that promise of Psalm 2. When God said to his son, today I have begotten you, Paul connects that promise with the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus is described through the language of begetting, of a new birth. 
Now we see this language ascribed to Jesus also in Colossians 1.18, Revelation 1.5, where Jesus is ascribed as the firstborn. The firstborn from the dead. Again, the resurrection of Jesus is ascribed through this language of, of birth. Now, of course, friends, we know from other parts of, of the Bible that Jesus, as the Son of God, is the eternal Son of God who existed from eternity. He was eternally begotten from the Father. And yet, in what sense is now Jesus described as the firstborn? Or, today I have begotten you. He's described with this language of, of newly begotten in relationship with his resurrection. So in some sense, dear friends, the resurrection of Jesus is linked with the experience of the new birth. Now Peter sees the resurrection of Jesus the means by which God has begotten His new creation, cre new creation new, His new children. So when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, dear friends, we're not just celebrating the, the, the coming to life of Jesus Himself. It is through that resurrection we are also rejoicing in the fact that through His resurrection, our new birth has been made possible. In the resurrection of Jesus, we have the proof that God is able to bring life out of death. He did it with Jesus. He does it with us. Not only physically after we die, but He does it even now as He gives life, new life, to people who are dead in their sins. Friends, do you realize that it is only through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that we can have the new birth? Do you realize that? If, if Jesus had not resurrected from the dead, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. And not only that, you are still in your sins. Friends, a new birth is this new beginning out of our sin, a new nature that is not stained by our sin, a new disposition that is no longer inclined towards sin, but if Christ had not been raised, we would still be in that old disposition and only in that. If Christ had not been raised, our new disposition would be powerless. It would have no meaning. We would not be out of our sins. Oh, friends, that's why Paul also says in Ephesians 2, when he describes the new birth of a Christian, God has made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with Him. If Christ had not been resurrected, we would be raised to that person. But we're not. We are being raised to a new living being, and His name is Jesus, who is alive. Because of Christ and His resurrection from the dead, our union with Christ makes dead sinners to be alive to a living Savior. And this is possible only because of His resurrection. Peter gives this truth that our new birth is possible because of the resur resurrection of Jesus. But there's a second means that Peter says in, at the end of the passage we read in verse 25. Um, the second means of our new birth is not only through the resurrection of Jesus, it's also through the living and abiding Word of God. 
Look at verse 25. Since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Oh, friends, how is it that this Word of, about the resurrection of Jesus, how is this truth about the resurrection of Jesus coming to us? How do we hear about it? Through Mel Gibson's movie? Through the History Channel? of telling you uh, something about the life and story of Jesus, about some facts, well, they may, first of all, most of them are going to have some degree of inaccuracy. How are we going to hear about the news of the, birth, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus? Through the word of truth. Through this word of God. He's living and abiding Oh, friends, how does that hurt come to us? Through the proclamation of the gospel. It is through the, the announcing of that truth that sinners hear of their conviction of sin. They hear about the death of Jesus on behalf of their sin as a penalty for the, for the weight of sin, for the wages of sin. And through his death, he also resurrected. And through that resurrection, sinners are now offered a means of salvation. Oh, friends, it is through the proclamation of the Word of God about the message of Jesus, of de His death and resurrection, that sinners are being brought to a new life with God. That's why for Peter, he sees these two means together. In verse 3, he says the first means of the new birth is the resurrection of Jesus. In verse 25, he says the second means of the new birth is the living and abiding Word of God. And then he says in verse 25, and this word is a good news that was preached to you. That's why he combines these two together. If we go back to the book of James, chapter 118, we see James as something similar of his own will. He, God, brought us forth by the word of truth. Friend, if you're here this morning and you have not heard or it has not registered to you that you are a sinner in need of God's forgiveness. The truth of the gospel brings this news to us. It is, at first, a bad news. It is bad to hear that indeed the, the God who created the universe, the God who owns everything, the God who has a right over His creation by the fact that we are made by Him, we are made in His image, we're not made in China. We're not made in some other place of, of this earth. We're made by the creator of the universe. And we're made according to his pattern. And we're made for his use. And yet, we, the ones whom he created, turned our backs against him. We have disobeyed him. God declares that he will judge our disobedience. He will judge us. And he will judge our rebellion. Oh, friends, I don't know if you want to be a part of, of a rebellion and an army and a war against the Almighty God who created this universe by merely speaking it into being. That would be a terrible enemy to have on that day. Don't think that you can run with your rebellion. 
Don't think that you can continue to live life in your own ways and somehow face that day and be okay in His sight. God has shown us His mercies. Now, by making His Son pay the price of our rebellion and through His death and through His resurrection to show and prove that He indeed has power to bring life from death to turn rebellious sinners into loving worshipers of God who love God out of the depths of their hearts. God alone has the power to reach down inside our hearts and change the desires of our hearts, just as He has done in the life of Jason, as we heard earlier, and in the lives of many of us here this morning. Oh, friend, if you would repent of your sin and trust in Christ for this salvation, this new life, is yours as well. But realize that it's through the proclamation of this word that God brings us to himself. Friends, if you heard this news and you'd like to respond to it, you can respond to it right now, wherever you are, in your seat. Ask God to save you. Call on him to save you. And if you'd like to know more about what that means, you're still confused about it, I would love to talk to you at the end of the service. Or as soon as the service is over, talk to someone who knows more about Christianity, who's, who's a Christian, ask him to tell you more about what it means. But don't let this matter go unnoticed. The resurrection of Jesus is true, and his life was brought from death so that your deathness may be brought to life spiritually, so that you may be made alive with Christ. Now, what are the goals? We looked at the cause. We looked at the means. What are the goals of the new birth? Two things for the goals of the new birth. A living hope. A living hope. Look at First Peter 3. According to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Friends, hope these days is such a big deal. Think of the people of Brussels who are, 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 are afraid. <laughs> afraid to go out in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a metro bus. Think of the people who are across the earth who have all kinds of reasons uh, for losing hope. Oh, friends, if we simply had hope, think of how many trials we could still persevere through if we knew that there's hope at the end of the tunnel. But if you lose hope, no matter how easy life is, if you lose hope, you're not going to make it through, or you think you're not going to make it through. And interestingly, God wants His children to have hope. But there's something strange about this hope. There's something strange about this hope. And here's what's strange about this hope. You can't have it unless you're born into it. You can't have it unless you're born into it. That's why Peter says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into what? Into this hope. Friends, do you realize this hope that God gives us is not a hope that you acquire by listening to motivational speakers or self-help books that help you get hope and make you through the day or make you through the week? It is not that kind of hope that just looks at your circumstances. It's a kind of hope that you have to be born into. That's why it's living hope. It's living because it's characteristic of the new life, of the new birth that, that 
that God accomplishes in us. And this new living hope is living because it, it, it brings new life to us. It purifies us. It stirs us to action. It brings joy. When life is the way you, when life turns out to be the way you don't want it to be, and yet renew, God renews you with this new birth, He gives you a hope that you can't explain, that enables you to press on. It's a hope that doesn't end with a grave, doesn't end with death. It's a hope that goes beyond it. And you look at the face of death as a victor, as a conqueror. Oh, dear Christian, let me ask you, is your life characterized by this living hope? This morning, as you came to church, is this living hope inside of you? Does it guide your decisions? Does it guide your actions? Does it guide your words? Do you make decisions in your weekly schedule about uh, your, your duties and your choices, about your, the way you're using your time based on this living hope? When you have reasons to be sorry, to, sor to, be, to be in sorrow and, 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 and pain, remember that you have a new hope that is caused by a new birth. If you have the new birth. If you don't have the new birth, repent of your sins. Turn to Christ in trust and faith in Him. And He will cause in you that which you cannot cause in yourself. This is one of the great goals of a new birth. That it makes us eligible for this new hope. A second goal of a new birth. We're born again to be God's first fruits. First, um, James 1.18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First fruits. What does that mean? What does that mean? Here's what it meant for the Old Testament people of God. The first fruits always belonged to God. The first fruits always belonged to God. It was a way God wanted to the Israelites to know that in entirety they belonged to Him. He is the one who made them get out of Egypt and gave them the promised land. And once they had the, fir the fruits of the, fir of the promised land, of the new, of the new inheritance... God said, okay, now, now you're getting your first paycheck. Now you're getting your first fruits, the first crop. It's mine. They so wanted to enjoy it. Can you imagine the, 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 the milk and the honey, the, the, all the goods of the promised land? And God said, no, the first one, it's mine. And actually, I want you to celebrate the, 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 heart, the feast of the first fruits every year so that at the beginning of every harvest, you are going to bring the very first crops, that first apple in the apple tree, that first peach on the a peach tree. I want you not to eat it. I want you to bring it to me because the first fruits belong to me. Why? Because I brought you here. I gave you this land. I brought you out of the slavery of Egypt. I took you through the wilderness. I cleared the land for you. I made you have it. Yes, I'm giving it to you, but it's mine. Show your belonging to me by bringing your first fruits. Old Testament language. And now James says, God gave us a new birth. He brought us forth. 
Why? So we can belong to Him. We are the first fruits. Amazingly, Jesus Himself is given this title, the, the, the first fruits of, the, of, the, of, the boar, of, the, of those who are asleep. Jesus himself is, is the first fruits. And by the way, in the Old Testament, the, the, when, when you had the, the whole scenario of the first fruits um, celebration, it was not only a, a symbol that it, that it belongs to God, it also was a symbol that this is just the beginning of the harvest. This is just the beginning of, of a lot more that's coming. Oh, friends, realize that Jesus, in his resurrection, he is the first fruits in saying, I'm the first one. There's many more to come. But it's not just Jesus at the first fruits. We are the first fruits. We are the first fruits of his creation, of his new creation. In other words, think of yourself. If you're a Christian, think of yourself like this. You're like a prototype of what God will be producing at the end of the age. How will this world know what the new creation would look like? Well, God is giving little prototypes, little first fruits of the creation, of the new creation to show so that in your own life, when, when you experience that new birth and that new birth starts to produce the fruits of righteousness, you are actually budding forth, putting little flowers of what that righteousness will look like in the new creation. Oh, friends, that's why being a Christian is such a big deal. Being a Christian in reality is such a big deal. If you're not a Christian and yet you claim to be a Christian, you actually might be doing false advertisement for the new creation. Realize that God is doing this new creation in us so that we might be a kind of first fruits of his new creation. Oh, friends, what does it mean to, to be a Christian? We belong to God. We belong to God because he has birthed in us. He has given us a new beginning, a fresh start, a new disposition with desires that incline towards holiness and love and, and God. Now, that disposition now is at war with our old disposition. We're not yet perfect. We now have in us, Christians have in them two dispositions. But praise be to God that the one who's in us, the disposition that God has given us towards Him is stronger than the disposition that is old in us because of our death. In the resurrection of Jesus, we are given the kind of power, the kind of power God makes available not only in Jesus, but in us to overcome sin and death. The cause of the new birth, the means of the new birth, and the goals of the new birth. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you we praise you that in the resurrection of Jesus, you do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Father, we are gathered here to this afternoon and declare that indeed your mercies have been great towards us. Oh, Lord, would you renew in us. For those of us who are renewed in, your, in, in, in a new birth, would you renew in us an appreciation and a delight in the new birth. For those who might be among us, still dead in their sins, would you bring them to new life, even through the proclamation of this word. We pray this in the name of Christ, in his glory and honor. Amen.